Today's episode is sponsored by Dutch Resistance. Orange shall overcome a 60 to 90 minute cooperative scenario based pickup and deliver game for one to five players about resistance during the Second World War in the Netherlands. The game's art will immerse you in 1940s Netherlands as you take on the role of characters that are all based on real resistance members. And each character has an asymmetrical power to help you complete the non-violent objectives. But be careful, occupation forces might be just around the next corner. So what will you do to resist the occupation? Will you make safe choices or risk getting arrested? So check out Dutch Resistance Orange Shall Overcome on Kickstarter right now. And if you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, doing a little BGDL community spotlight episode, and we're talking about a project that I find fascinating, uh, a project that's about game design, and uh, actually more than that, it's got some really cool different facets, and we're talking to John Spike from GameStorm EDU. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Gabe. Yeah, man, really glad to have you here. Like I just said, like you've got this really cool project you're working on. It's a little bit meta. It's like a, a game <laughs> about making games, a, a game design about game design. And so I, I find that obviously fascinating considering, you know, the projects I've worked on in the past. And I thought it was so fitting for this community and this podcast. And uh, yeah, really excited to have you here. But before we get into your cool little project, uh, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I took, I was kind of a late bloomer, I feel like in the in the board game boom, but growing up, my brother and I love video games. I, I feel like I was the first Twitch person because I'd watch my brother play RPGs and we love the stories and the narratives. Um, he got me into Magic the Gathering. Uh, love that, of course, but I wasn't really a tinkerer like a lot of guests you have where I was messing with game rules. I was more just appreciating great games. And then um, I got my degree to be an ELA teacher, and I found I was kind of just tempted to bring games in the classroom. I liked uh, to design games. I made a, a board game version of the most dangerous game, which is just a, a wholesome uh, man washes up on island and is hunted by another rich man to death. Uh, so just a great way to start your freshman year of high school. And, family game it sounds like you're a nice light yeah. family game <laughs> yes it's a very very light you know just kind of a romantic comedy of a game so uh <laughs> I, I loved you know designing that i one of my projects uh in college i designed a way to work starcraft into um you know a game we were reading and and, and use that and so i was just drawn to game-based learning and so um, took a job as a tech integrator in a district and continued to work video games and board games into the classroom and then I had a friend who just introduced me to all of all of the games. You know, we played Betrayal at the House on the Hill. 
Uh, we played coup, we played, you know, light games, heavy games, every game. And then uh, took a job in a kind of a, a university setting as a kind of a tech integrator, helping future teachers use games. And I got selected to go to this academy where we tried to come up with solutions for education problems. And went to this academy thinking I was going to try to make video games more accessible for teachers. And I brought with me all my games. And while I'm at this academy, all the other teachers there are going, John, you're trying to bring video games in the classroom, but you just brought every board game in your collection to this academy. Why don't you do something with board games? And that was kind of the aha for me. And talking kind of with you before the show, Gabe, I mentioned I loved your board game design starter kit. It was like, a here's a box of the components. Now go make a game. I love that. And I was like, well, what can I add to the sector to help students and teachers make games? And my idea was, what if there was a game where you make a game? Kind of uh, what people <laughs> said to me when I tell it to them is the inception of game design. And, and so I've been moving forward with that with a game called GameStorm EDU, uh, where you do uh, try to build a game to win the game. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So that was the long-winded uh, kind of my hero's journey, if you will. Yeah, very cool. Well, first of all, I want to go back to something you said just a moment ago in that <laughs> sure. you were, you've been helping future teachers. And one thing that struck me all of a sudden was like, is that like the opposite of a history teacher? It's a, it's a person <laughs> that teaches the future. And so like it's a time travel. I don't know. There's a movie or a board game in there somewhere is the way my brain works. And so anyway, somebody make the game about future teachers or future teaching. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so <laughs> talking about game stormers. Yeah, this is such a, it's a meta kind of thing going on. And I've seen other people do like little game design related type of games. It's like, all right, we're going to take a mechanism and you're going to combine that with the theme. And it's this kind of, it's an exercise more than anything. It's not really a game per se. It's it's more of just like cards that you stick next to each other and go, oh, let's come up with a, an idea. But yours is actually more of a game. It's, it's you've you're got different actions and it's kind of like a, a typical card game that you might see, you know, doing damage to your opponents and you use magic and all that kind of stuff. It, it has a beautiful, beautiful art as well. And I think that's one thing that definitely separates it from other games like this I've seen. Most of the time, it's just words on a card in black and white. And you're like, cool, I could have done that on some index cards and it doesn't cost me $19.99. But you, you've actually gone above and beyond. And so anyway, tell me a little bit more about Game Stormers and what it is, kind of how it works. And then in a second, we can get into more of the you know deeper stuff. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this, this game has taken on a lot of different iterations. And so I, I think at the essence of it, it's kind of a creative card game where you're kind of building a tableau in front of you. So your goal is to either have the game worth, worth the most points, victory points, if you will. I, I probably should come up with a better name than victory points, but it is what it is. Prestige. And yeah, prestige. I like that game, <laughs> prestige. I like it. Uh, or you can win by kind of the designer's choice. The other designer's vote you as the the pick of the litter, if you will. So you get, it actually has a double win mechanic to it that I kind of like because I wanted to incentivize those people who are all about the achievements, the, the, the ones who want to game the system to get the most points, or the people who just want to have like the most memorable, funny, unique game that you actually want to see made by the end of it. So you can actually technically double win in the game. It's really hard to do. I've set up kind of the mechanics to make it hard to double win, but you can. And the way you do that is you play in your little tableau, your kind of player playmat. You have to um, create a storyline, two mechanics, and two kind of items. And those items could be could represent a character location um, or literally an item in your game that is significant. So you have five cards, essentially, you need to get down in front of you 
to create your game. And it will be weighed by points and by voting at the end. It's, it's kind of the, the elevator pitch that I think we would have already been at our floor by now if that had been a real elevator pitch. <laughs> a game so nice, you can win it twice. I like it. it <laughs> Ooh, did you yeah, just, you did you just did. get the tagline right there? I think Uh-oh. so. Put that on the back of the box with my picture and a thumbs up or something like that. Um, <laughs> so very cool. Like, tell me the inception of this game. Like, what was what was going on? You're like, okay, this is a product that needs to exist. This is something that can help people. It can maybe help new designers or maybe people who aren't even designers yet just kind of realize, oh, I could design a game. This is kind of cool. This is how the, the mental process, the creative process works in game form. And then I can extrapolate and turn that into actually creating something. But tell me kind of where the idea came from and what your overall vision for this product is in the marketplace. Who's it for? Who's it going to help? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of pieces of that question. So I'll try to unpack it in order and uh, feel free to jump in if I miss a, a portion. But the first question, the inception of it, uh, it was, I, I came out of that academy I mentioned before, and I was just struggling. I had this website with kind of resources I had developed, uh, you know, for game design. And I was trying to help educators and teachers and students kind of wrap their heads around game design, make it very, you know, uh, accessible, I guess you'd say. And I just, nothing, it didn't have that wow, that, that, that piece that really got you fired up about it. I had some videos, I had some tools they could use, but I didn't have that wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, what better way to teach developing a game than, than a game? And then I realized I, I wanted it to have that same feel that I saw in, in a lot of like the board game design lab forums or other forums about game design is there could be a number of places where the light bulb goes for you. Some people, they get their story first and then it all just comes, it follows, right? Some people, they get this mechanic idea. Oh my gosh, what if there was a secret passage? And then, oh my gosh, now I've got the story. Now I've got who's going to be in this story. Uh, maybe it's just this one idea. You want there to be, a kitten that explodes to take a popular parlance, right? And then the rest comes. And so with this game, you can be inspired by a, a mechanic, an item, or a storyline that you find in the game, and that kind of steamrolls the rest of the creative process. So I wanted wanted to help people see that one thing you can you can pick up on, you can run away with. And then an interesting mechanic in the game is that I've designed it so you can actually roll kind of these, um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Rory's Story Cubes, uh, Gabe. Oh yeah, those are great for uh, my English class, getting kids to just think outside the box. Yes, so I kind of have some Rory's Story Cube-esque dice where you can roll those and actually develop a card off of what you roll. So kind of a creative constraint. You get some icons related to the major categories of the game, and then you can actually just build a card if you don't have the right card for the idea that's kind of coming out. You know, if you get stuck and you're not finding the the cards in the game to be of help, you can kind of have this as a, an option to build a card, essentially. Um, and so that, that was also kind of a big piece to it. I wanted there to be some opportunities for um, kind of painting outside the lines of just what I provided in terms of idea prompts. Um, okay, part two of the question, I think was kind of related to the vision for it. Is that correct? Yeah, the vision, like overall, who's it for? Who are you trying yeah. to really reach with this product? Yeah, I, I come from the, the education field. And so I felt like I know that area. And I do feel like I, I have a weird affinity with, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, maybe to a lesser extent, you know, the older elementary kids who I think are kind of in the age range for this game. And I think they would enjoy this. I, I had a nine-year-old play it and he said, Dad, uh, I think it's, 
I think kids have an unfair advantage because we have a better imagination than you adults. And I had to laugh and I'm, I'm going, oh my gosh, this idea, this might have some legs, you know, if a kid's kind of calling out like, this is like a cheat code to be a kid playing this game. Uh, and so it's aimed at kids. It's aimed at educators who want to get maybe students playing this. It's aimed at, at maybe a, a parent or guardian who wants to have a game that kind of at the end of it, a kid has an idea, not just a sense of winning or losing. They have now a, oh, this would be fun piece to kind of pursue and write about or, or try to make a prototype of, you know, just for, for kicks uh, or for something more. And so it is, it is aimed where you could use it in educational space. You could use it at family game night. Uh, if maybe some game designers out there just want kind of a fun, you know, exercise like you talked about of, of there's some exercises out there like this but maybe just with some, some polish to it, uh, it's aimed at them. And, you know, really the, the vision is to, I, I've actually, I've, I've been uh, mailing out play tests to educators and I'm getting feedback from the educators and the students on what's working, what's not, what needs to go, what needs to stay. And really the vision is to offer up this game as one piece to kind of a game design curriculum or using it as a one-off. Let's say you want your students to, show their understanding through a gameful experience. This game could be a primer to help them think creatively about how to make a game. And so I think the, the long play is uh, education with uh, mixing in any of those people who are kind of passionate about making and creating. Uh, those would be kind of the target, target market overall. Did I, did I catch everything in there? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that I, the idea of making this part of a deeper thing, because I know as an English teacher, I was always looking for anything that was going to make my job a little bit easier <laughs> when it comes to worksheets and projects and you know all the different exercises. Like I, I really enjoy getting up in front of a classroom, having a big discussion, asking questions, you know, taking in answers, trying to help kids see things from different angles and perspectives. But when it comes to like making worksheets or, or creating things for them to do like that's it's more work for me and so i can see something like this having one it's got a really cool fun game aspect but then also adding along some other uh supporting activities or you know worksheets or, or different things to kind of keep the ball rolling keep the games coming so to speak uh, i can see a lot of value in that and, and people wanting to pay for like i know i went on teachers pay teachers quite often and bought you know stuff that other people had put together that then i could kind of put my spin on or put my mm -hmm. you know my style with, and then create something much bigger. And it didn't, didn't take nearly as long as if I had done the whole thing myself. And so <laughs> I see a lot of value, but then also like just with parents at home who maybe have a young kid, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kid that's getting into game design, they're interested, they're curious, and you want to have a little activity that kind of teaches them some things about the process, but also is fun. I can find, I see a lot of value in that as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and one inspiration for me, I will say, is I played uh, a go-to party game for myself and, and some of my friends and family are Telestrations, or it's slightly more inappropriate older brother Telestrations After Dark. And one inspiration was I was actually going through my phone uh, the other day trying to find photos uh, when I was kind of thinking of this game. And I noticed I had a ton of pictures of pictures somebody had drawn from that game. And I would still look at them and laugh and, and thought that was so cool. And I was thinking that's such a powerful game when you actually take a picture of what you made in the game because it was so funny, clever, interesting. And what I found is what after I'm done playing a game, I usually take a picture of the tableau of the game I created and other people will too. And it's so cool to have something like I want to take part of this game with me when I finished. I think that's an experience I was kind of pining for. I wanted 
no matter how you do in the game, you finish first or you finish last, you have something to take away from the game. And so that's another goal, design goal I had. And I've been trying to make sure that the game gives everybody the opportunity to make the game they want or a game they're excited about or a game they think is so ridiculous they just want to take a photo to show people. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And so tell me about creating a game like this and kind of getting it down to its essence, right? Because I feel like anytime you take a creative process, any process, honestly, it'd be easy <laughs> to have way too much in there. And so like if I was going to create a game about game design, like I would probably have a card <laughs> that's something to the effect of create 10 cell sheets, hate all of them, uh, the cry yourself, <laughs> the cry yourself to sleep card. Um, I, I can only find playtesters who hate dogs card. Like they're those kind of people. people that hate dogs. You mean, um, like, so I see, I can see you adding way too much in there. And so tell me the process of getting it down to saying, okay, here, here's the game design process in its essence, but it's also fun to play. It, it's smooth. It doesn't take too long. All that. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and uh, I will be continuing to try to answer this uh, for the next few months. So just I'll tell you what I know thus far. This game started out. I, I realized one one additional goal I had as a designer was to try to expose people to a few different types of games too. So that's one goal I had with GameStorm Edu, my company was uh, people just don't know about all the types of games. They grew up on the roll and move, but they're not familiar with some of these worker placement games or area control games or, or uh, you know, social deduction games. And I wanted to give like a taste of some of those. But in my attempts to do that, I made a way too convoluted game. You know, it started where you had three people, you put them at various locations, kind of worker placement. Then after everybody placed their people, then you take turns doing your actions at each place. It got too long. So I, I boiled that down to, okay, you need to take a look at what you've got in terms of your pieces to make a game. Maybe you have a card um, that's a dragon card. And maybe you have a card that says awaken a genie. And you're like, I can't make a game out of this. I like the dragon card, but I need to find a mechanic that might go along with kind of a dungeon crawler. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to the place where I can get and look at more mechanic cards and sift and kind of try to find one that matches. So there's a action where you can take the top three mechanics, look at it, keep one, put the others, you know, in a discard pile. Or there's a item market where you can look and buy you know, an item card that you think would be good for your game based on its victory points. You know, uh, there's that area, there's that option where you can make a card to kind of fit your narrative because you know you're not going to find the storyline or the mechanic or the item that's going to perfectly fit with this dragon. So you're going to make it yourself. And so I realized I had to make that accessible. And the other thing I had was this game has a lot of cards. I wanted there to be a lot of ideas. And so I had originally a hundred and 50 cards, each with their own unique ability. And I realized that all these abilities were just things that sounded fun from a flavor perspective. You know, the dragon would make bad things happen to another player, right? The, you know, this secret passage card would let you kind of cut in line or something. But I realized too, I didn't want any cards that would negatively affect somebody else's build. You know, the idea, the goal of the game is that you can make the game you want to make. So if I had all these cards where you could do negative things to other players, it went in the face of the ultimate design goal. So I had to cut out, I had all these great, I thought, mechanics, but they were all mean player abilities that hurt another player. So let's say you're about to make your perfect game and I destroy one of your cards. I've ruined the vision you had for your game. So I cut all of the negative interactions and made it so that you 
really the only negative interaction you could have is somebody maybe jumps in line and maybe grabs a card you were going to buy from the market maybe, or, you know, maybe they just got to it first. It wasn't that they took it from you. It wasn't that they destroyed it when you wanted it. Um, it's all about you should have all the pieces at your disposal to go out and make the game. Uh, you might have a little luck on what you find and what you are able to acquire, but I learned that I couldn't just make the theme and the mechanics perfectly match up. I had to accept that the game had to live up to its promise to make a great game for all players. And so that was a big realization I had. I needed to streamline it and take out negative interactions and really focus on does the player have all those tools at their disposal to make something they're proud of. So that got a little roundabout, but I, I think I got there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And taking the negative stuff out there actually leaves you open in the future to add it back in through an expansion where you could turn <laughs> the game into a one versus many where most people are game designers and then one player is the board game geek commenter and they do burn everything to the ground and they, they make you feel bad and they destroy the stuff you're working on. I think that could be an interesting um, meta thing that maybe it's a little too close to home for some people but anyway just an idea just an idea uh <laughs> yeah i think you've got I, it sounds like gabe you've got a game brewing that's just like the kind of the the every unseen piece of being a game designer because you, you've pitched a little bit of of it uh throughout this uh podcast yeah for sure and then, honestly i like i said earlier I, I just love this idea i actually worked on a game publishing kind of the business side a yeah. game a while back and it was all about you know finding games that were come in as pitches and you'd have to match them up with an artist and then you know finding really good designers and you'd have to maybe send some games to crowdfunding and then you're dealing with the manufacturing and the time and you have to manage your resources and money and i was like wow this this is interesting i don't know if anybody would buy it but me and like seven other people but it was at least a fun project and but i like how yours is much simpler it's much more like right there on the ground level of like just trying to get people to engage with game design, especially like younger people or people new to the hobby. And um, yeah, anyway, I, I just really like what you're doing. And also I can see some really cool spinoff opportunities. Like, have you looked into maybe a writer's version or a movie, you know, movie storm or something like that, where you're kind of taking it from different angles. Cause I could see that in an English class, you know, in my high school English class, having like a writing version to kind of help kids brainstorm ideas about a narrative or, you know, fictional story that they're going to put together. Have you thought about that? Well, it's funny too. Uh, the same nine-year-old who is playing this game with us, who's a family friend, he actually designed a video game and I didn't really, I didn't really think of it, but he just kind of rolled with it and he kind of said, Oh, I have to pick my game type. My type's not on here. I'm making a video game. And the game worked for him to make a video game. And then I did kind of think of that. I'm, I'm going, well, Technically, this game stormers, it's I'm kind of locked into the game design right now, but uh, it 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 could expand out to other mediums for sure as an expansion, a standalone or, or what have you. So, yeah, I think I think there's opportunities to not only game storm, but like you said, movie storm or video game storm or there could be a lot of uh, storms moving through the area here, uh, depending <laughs> on how how it's received. So, yeah, I, I think that's what's great about it is I'm, I'm so excited to get the student feedback. Uh, and because I think they're honestly going to just be popping and bursting with ideas uh, that 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 I'm probably going to have a problem of too many ideas than than just what to cut. It's going to be they'll have too many ideas of what to add. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, very cool. All right. So what's next? Like, where do you go from here? You know, like what's on the horizon? 
Yep. So I am in kind of the beta play test. I did an alpha with a, a lot of you know trusted friends and, and, and family and other people who kind of just jumped in and said they'd try the first versions. My wife has been the most phenomenal play tester ever. She has told me a lot of hard truths. She told me to cut down the number of cards you need to have to make a game. She told me to cut the worker placement. She like has just burned down all the bad aspects of the game, which has been fantastic. Find, find yourself a partner who will tell you the hard truth. That's that's a, just a great way to live your life. But uh, I'm in the beta play test. So I've been mailing it out, mailing out these, these kits. I've been assembling them lovingly in my basement. It looks like a little board game sweatshop down there. But uh, I mailed them out. And um, waiting for feedback over October and into November, I'm going to get some playtest feedback. I'm building Tabletopia version for students to try out uh, online as well, and teachers and any interested parties. So when I get that feedback, hoping to make some tweaks and changes, if I feel like I need to go into another playtest round, I'll do that. Um, and a, a kind of an aggressive timeline is hopefully art is at a enough completed pace where I have enough to really market and roll into a Kickstarter in February, but I'm more aiming for an April where I can kind of continue to tweak, refine, um, get my proof copies, market. Um, I'm planning on going to some educational conventions in January, February, um, and, and March and really show this to people face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, pandemic pending. And yeah, uh, like I said, either a February or an April Kickstarter is really my goal. I either want to do February to align with a lot of, there's a lot of educational technology conferences at that time in February, or April is just kind of a lull for me and a good Kickstarter time, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and so April is, is kind of my, my, yes, this is for sure when I want to make sure I, I, get some crowdfunding in front of it. Um, and then hopefully, uh, you know, Kickstarter goes well, uh, hoping to be able to get it produced, uh, shipped over, and ideally, um, you know, a get it into the hands of backers in November, uh, you know, hopefully before the holiday season rush. We'll, we'll see how that goes, uh, November of, of 2022. So that's the, the timeline. Of course, so many things can go awry in there, but I'm hoping to really have not too much asset creation um, after Kickstarter, where I can really just focus on confirming with the production facility that we're ready to go and getting it over on the ship. So that's that's the vision. That's the long-winded version. Yeah, very cool. And where can people find it? Like if they want to find out more, get on an email list, where do they go? Yeah, so GameStormEDU.com is our website. And then GameStormEDU.com slash GameStormers is where you can get on the mailing list for GameStormers. You can join our Facebook group. Uh, all the socials are there. Um, I actually put out a, a live stream slash podcast podcast every Monday night called Game Storming, just to really make it confusing. So you can check us out on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook Live. Uh, but yeah, GameStormEDU.com is kind of your portal for all things GameStormers, GameStormEDU resources. Awesome. Well, John, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you joining me here on the show. Good luck with Game Stormers. Again, I'm, I'm excited about it and excited to see it come to life and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gabe. I, I appreciate uh, you having me on the show and I appreciate all the resources that I've been trying to share your stuff with the education field because it's, it's so valuable for students and educators alike to see it. That's great. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the board game design lab podcast is sponsored by quartermaster logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. 
Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?